What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Eliason podcast. I think this is number 13. It's 13 or 14. I haven't lost, I lost count, mostly because I haven't recorded an episode in like two weeks. Um, I sincerely apologize for that, but I'm back. I'm back behind the mic. Also, um, I think I have a, a handful of new listeners. Um, I've been really spending a lot of time throughout this quarantine connecting on social media um, and just kind of organically gotten. Um, had a few people mention that they had listened to the podcast, and so that's pretty cool just to see that people are navigating over and caring enough to listen. So, um, you know, this episode is for the new listeners. Welcome. If you just know me from a social media outlet or whatever, uh, this podcast kind of sits at the middle of the intersection. If, like, think of like a three-way Venn diagram, and the three circles are sports and business, and the other one's life, um, and particularly millennial life. Because there's, there's one thing about me, I am a millennial, but what I've learned um, due to just really diving deeper into the generational stuff and studying that, I've learned that I'm almost a Gen Z, right? I'm, I'm about to turn 27. And so I was born in 93, which is like right before the millennial generation cuts off. So um, a lot of the characteristics of Gen Z, I have a lot of the millennial characteristics I have. So um, this is kind of an audio documentary of sorts of, of life. Um, and I spent my entire childhood up until the age of 20-ish, you know, playing the game of basketball. And I've spent my lifetime since about that age studying and learning and playing the game of business. And so uh, if you think about those three kind of ideas put together into a podcast, that's kind of what this is. And that may change over time. And uh, so far, no interviews. They're coming. I am just working through. It's more difficult than you would think. Right now, it's easier. Have a handful of things going on, but I'm going to start having some pretty cool people on here soon. So keep going with that. Um, also, I'm writing more. I've mentioned this a couple times. JacobElison.com is my website. Um, I'm going to be trying to post a new little blog once a week. Very similar there, more kind of a personal mix with business lessons and life lessons. Anyway, just go, just go, just go read the articles. Um, I want to get into a couple of things. I want to talk about just a handful of different things before I actually really dive into the meat of what I want to share with you today. Um, but since it's been like two weeks since I've recorded one, there's not only updates that I kind of left cliffhangers on for me personally in the last episodes. Uh, but also a handful of things have happened in the sports world and the business world that um, I just briefly want to touch on before I dive into the meat of this. The first one, I don't know where you were on Sunday afternoon, about 2 o'clock central time, um, but on T TBS and TNT and like HSN and a couple other channels. HSN is a weird channel for this to have been on, but I think that I read that it was on that channel. Anyway, that may be totally wrong. But I feel like maybe HLN, headline news, regardless, on those channels, there was a live broadcasted golf match between Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. They were on one team, and Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady were on the other. You're not familiar with the golf world. Uh, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson 
Tiger Woods is the greatest. Phil Mickelson's up there. Uh, both very famous golfers. And if you're not familiar with the sports world, then uh, Peyton Manning was quarterback for the Colts for a long time. Won a couple Super Bowls. Went to a couple Super Bowls? I don't know football that well. Basketball is my thing. He's an NFL quarterback that's going to go into the Hall of Fame. And uh, Tom Brady is a current quarterback. I'm going to, I'm, I'm stopping explaining this. We, we should know this. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know this, it might be time to find a different podcast. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a mean way, but I'm just saying, I'm going to keep moving on. Anyway, so they played a live broadcasted match on TV. They did it for the first time last year. I think it was in Vegas and it was just Phil versus Tiger. They played one-on-one. It was televised live. It did really well. Um, the, the purse was like 10 million. And so they did it again this year in pairs as a team event um, with a football player and a golfer. They streamed it live. And what they did this year is they donated all the money that they raised to COVID relief in the middle of everything that's going on. Not only was it live sports that was able to be pulled off on TV in the midst of a pandemic, but all the money that that was raised, which was a hell of a lot of money, went to supporting COVID relief efforts. And so just a couple numbers on that. It looks like, from what I read, about 6.3 million viewers was peak, which is like the greatest viewership in like in golf history, I believe. And uh, that's, that's how many people were watching. If you got to Justin Thomas, if you're familiar with golf, Justin Thomas is another golfer. He was like the broadcaster guy. He was like out on the field with the microphone or out on the field, out on the course with the microphone, talking to the players um, and really having his broadcasting debut. And he crushed it. I kind of like watching how broadcasters do, not in like a critique way, but more of like an observing how you go about this, speaking in front of a camera thing, uh, because that's not my jam, but I'm trying to learn. And so, you know, for him to be a golfer and just come out there, biggest live event ever, and just crush his debut, I'm, I'm happy for him. That's one of those things that secures him a job if his career were to ever go south playing golf. And I really love when I see... Uh, people who are really great at one thing try something else and take a big risk and do it publicly and it work out for them um, and just open up a ton of opportunities for them because I think that's a lesson that we could learn as individuals about like if you're good at something and you know you're good at something then it's worth taking that risk and, and, and putting your name out there doing it because if it takes off that opens up tons of opportunities if you believe in yourself and you know you're good at it then why wouldn't you I'm in the middle of doing that right now so of course I'm going to advise it so that was cool for me <clears throat> Sorry, not COVID cough. Promise. Anyway, so that was cool for me to see Justin Thomas uh, go out there and crush it. That was a note I took about it. And then another one was that Tom Brady is like all of us. And uh, I think seeing him shank balls into trees and hit balls eight feet when he was trying to hit it 150 yards. And just seeing how this incredible athlete, considered maybe the greatest NFL quarterback of all time, this great, fantastic, big-time athlete, just absolutely go out there and not really perform well at another sport, publicly in front of, again, the biggest audience that golf has ever seen. And so not only did I like super respect Tom Brady, I got a text. My dad is a golfer, and so I was texting him while we were watching it, and uh and he takes me back and was just like mad respect for Brady uh, for, for going out there and doing this. And that, that's like a big thing. Like people of that 
nature and that stature and that influence and that celebrity don't typically want to go out in front of the world and just absolutely fail. And again, much like the Justin Thomas thing, Brady's in the same spot here. Uh, you know, he's probably a really good golfer. You know, Justin Thomas, who is a golfer, talked about how nervous these guys were before all this started. He came on TV and was talking about how nervous they were about what was going on. And whether he was kidding or whatever, I imagine they probably were, right? And uh, it's just one of those things that happen. You don't win them all. And uh, to see him go out there and do that and see a big-time person be human, I think um, not only is going to drive up the golf industry, because there's going to be people like me who don't ever really play golf. I've played two times this year. Um, and, but typically maybe five to 10 times a summer max, like not a huge golf player. I really want to be, but golf's kind of expensive and it's time consuming, whatever summer we're busy. I'm trying to get there, but to see the same types of shots that I hit off to the right when it shouldn't be off to the left, when it shouldn't be eight feet, when I was trying to hit it 150 yards, never figuring out how to putt, like to see that happening on a national scale, it gave me confidence that. Uh, that I wasn't alone. And uh, again, much like the Justin Thomas going out there and crushing it, a lesson to everyone about uh, he's still he's still moving. He's still succeeding in what he does normally. So like the worst that could happen is, oh, well, you messed up. People are talking about it, maybe. people. A lot of people are talking about it. But when you're an NFL quarterback, you probably get over that one pretty quickly. Um, a couple other things. Tiger Man. I don't know if, okay. It was pouring down rain. I forgot to mention that. It was pouring down rain for like 80% of the entire match. At matches 18 holes. I mean, at least nine holes they were playing in the rain. That's difficult to do. Like, I'm not gonna I'm never I'm gonna hit the ball eight yards every time. I can't play in the rain. I don't think I ever have played golf in the rain purposefully. And these guys went out there and played 18 holes in it basically. Um, and still played awesome. And what I want to note is Tiger, who has had a pretty rough patch over the last, you know, decade in his career. Um, recently, notoriously won a big tournament, um, and that was a massive comeback. It was awesome watching him come up to 18th green. Um, actually, I remember I was in Florida when that was happening. The Masters was happening. And I my phone had died, and so I literally left where we were. I think we were eating lunch. Me and my wife were eating lunch. And I had to, like, go somewhere and plug my phone in and sit right beside it so I could watch and – uh, my phone came back on and I got the stream back up running as he was walking up the 18th green to go win it. And I just, I'm always going to remember that point in my life. Cause I like, I knew I had to watch this anyway. Tiger was dealing. My man was playing great and insane golf in the rain. And, uh, man, it was fun to watch. And if, if you like golf, you have to be excited about the future of the sport, especially now that they're introducing things that no other sport can no other sport can do what those two just did. The equivalent would be a three-on-three -three or a five-on-five -five pickup game between NBA players um, or like a flag football thing, uh, whatever, seven-on-seven -seven NFL. I don't really know much about enough about other sports to know how you could figure that out, but it'd be pretty, pretty impossible to pull off. So it's cool. It's unique. Golf has an awesome opportunity in front of it. A major respect, like my dad said, major respect for the guys who went out there and played and stuck through that. Uh, for that cause, and they raised $20 million. $20 million in like one day, in like five hours, I think it is how long it lasts. It was like $20 million raised to fight this pandemic and bring this world back to life and uh, and keep us safe.
So really, an awesome thing that they did. Peyton Manning can also play. Last note before we move on. Another thing I want to mention, I finished Ozark. I say I, my wife and I finished Ozark season three. Uh, oh, my goodness. Fantastic ending. Um, and the other thing there, the reason I wanted to bring that up is, A, I posted about it on Twitter that I just finished it and was like, wow. And it got it got some major love really quickly. So I knew that I was like, other people really like this. So it's like, I just finished it. The ending is incredible. Um, I'm not going to go any further because there's a lot of people who haven't watched it. Uh, ending was awesome. I'm ready for season four. Um, there's also, it's also a good Twitter show, right? Like the memes are good. And, and when I say that, I'm referencing the fact that recently this week, there was a news article that came out about uh, the Lake of the Ozarks, which is where that area is supposed to be, where the, where the movie is supposed to be set, where it's saying it's set is in the Ozarks. And there's a massive pool party, and the video went viral all over the internet. And uh, there was a, a quote that said uh, something like Marty or Navarro is trying to uh, get Marty Bird to push 10 million by the end of July. And so if you've seen Ozark, you get the joke. It's funny. Uh, big, massive pool parties in the middle of a pandemic in the Lake of the Ozarks, exactly where it's supposed to be filmed. Uh, here is something I learned this week that may kind of ruin it for you, especially my folks who are around Memphis and, you know, Arkansas that I know that have, uh, you know, been to that part of the town, uh, been to that part of the world before. Um, it wasn't actually filmed there completely. Most of it was filmed in Georgia because I was like looking to see like, man, is this actually filmed there? Uh, when we first really started watching it, and it turns out it wasn't. If you've watched it, and if you have your phone in your hand all the time like I do, you probably Googled that. Um, but yeah, random piece of information. I'm an I'm a Ozark fan. Jason Bateman's career has just been nearly flawless, and uh, I've become a huge fan of him lately through things like Ozark and Arrested Development. It's a good one, too. The last thing before we really dive in, to today's episode, which it looks like today's episode is going to be a lot of updates. We're already 15 minutes in and I'm not going to go longer than 30. So it looks like the bulk of today's episode may be these updates and random points I want to talk about. But that is okay because the next one is important. The next one is the NBA is talking about reopening the season. And uh, I think they've gone through a list of options. They've gone through a handful of different things. And it looks like the front runner in the conversation is doing something in Orlando whether that be at the wide world of sports they already have or setting up those little satellite gyms similar to what you saw in the last dance, I guess would be an option. Those little satellite gyms that they just kind of built just for that occasion. Um, and they're saying they could be like AAU style tournaments. The, you know, the, the most recent thing is mentioning reseeding everybody in just the top 14 teams instead of East versus West type deal. And so um, it's looking like this thing may get going and, I just want to bring to the table a thought on that because I, obviously I want basketball to be back. You know, it's, it's, you're sitting on a fence because you really want basketball to be back, but you don't want to be the guy who's like standing up and being like, ah, I don't care if there's thousands of people together. Who cares? I'm the young guy. It's fine. You know, it's, so it's like, do I want to publicly say I really want basketball to come back or do I want to just be like, hmm, can't wait. So I obviously, would love to see them pull this off. I would love to see them figure out how to do it, not only from the 
perspective of overcoming such a challenge, like a big, powerful organization pivoting and overcoming a challenge, like that'd just be like a cool story to witness how they figure this out. Um, that's one piece. And obviously just because I love basketball and I want to start seeing stuff played, but the other side of the coin is you've got people's health to worry about. We're still trying to figure out how to, um, live and navigate life with this virus that's, that's traveling, uh, underneath, you know, this realm of vision. I'm trying to say you can't see it. It's a hidden enemy. I didn't want to use his words, but whatever. Um, anyway, so there we're, we're trying to figure this out, and it'd be great to see the NBA navigate it, figure it out, be a great story. Um, also, I really want to see basketball come back. But like the question is, and I think Bill Simmons actually brought this up on his podcast, and and my buddy relayed it to me. But like, how do you? The biggest question that I've got, and the and the thing that I think is the toughest for them to navigate is like, how do you continue to like broadcast these games, right? How do you? If you're thinking about an empty gym, but you you want to broadcast it, which means there's going to be live audio and video, like how do you censor the stuff? Like I personally, I don't care, but I'm not everyone else. Like we can't, you can't just throw out five on five on the live TV with nothing other than hearing the players talk on the court. It's just not going to happen. So how do you navigate that? How do you avoid the sound? And maybe there's totally a way. And I just don't know like the audio, video, live streaming side of things enough. But um, it just like how do you how do you not get all the sound on the court? Do you inject artificial noise into it? And if so, do the players really want that to happen? Um, you know, like how how do you uphold the TV contracts, the radio contracts, the media contracts that are paying your bills? And how do you uphold those, but still not, you know, be, I, I, I don't even really know where to go from there. I don't even know how to finish that sentence. Like, how do you pull all that together in a way that you can present to live TV in the middle of a pandemic when literally everyone is going to be watching? Like, your numbers are going to be up. But how do you do that in a way that doesn't ruin your image or doesn't, you know, get you into legal trouble or, you know, whatever? So, like, it's going to be like a massive AAU tournament. And on, only essential staff, from what I see, is going to be allowed in if it happens. You know, what's essential? How many does that end up being? And then what happens if one of those essential people that aren't essential aren't there and can't be in there and they're actually needed for like the, you know, like the 0.01% chance that, you know, their specific thing is needed on that staff? It, there's just a lot of variables to work through when you're considering multi-million dollar athletes and a billion, multi-billion dollar organization. And that's kind of the thing that I think is a big holdup, not having enough people, not having too many people in the gym or the health concern part, I think would be under control, right? Because you just don't let more than a certain amount of people in, unless you're worried about the contact between the players, you'd have to be testing every day. Like, I think that part is easier to navigate than the, how do you uphold everything and still, you know, fulfill your contract obligations. So that's like the big question that I've been on, that's been on my mind with it. Obviously I would love to see them uh, start playing again. I'm interested to figure out if they're going to, I'm interested to learn the playoff, how that's going to work because my Grizzlies are uh, in the top 16 in the NBA and they are eighth in the West right now. So if they go straight to the playoffs, we're in. And so I get to enjoy the playoffs while kind of quarantined, which means I can I get to see all the games if they can pull this off. That'd be great. It'd be awesome. Um, but I am interested to see 
how that goes. So I wanted to touch on that real quick. And then if you've just been following along, if you've been following along with, with these episodes or, you know, if you're new, there's like 13 other episodes for you to go back and listen to you starting from zero kind of introduces you to the whole thing. Um, and it kind of changes a little bit. Like right now it's a lot different than what it was on one and two, but I really wanted to kind of lay the foundation of, you know, me and what I want this to look like and kind of my driving factors behind me doing this and why I'm doing this and so on and so forth. Um, but if you've been following along, my car still has not moved since the last time I recorded. Um, actually I say, I take that back. It, it has moved because I took it from the front of the driveway where it's been sitting or, uh, into the backyard. I just put it in the backyard so we can get it out of the way. Um, the story behind that is my battery died right before this whole thing started and my wife and I just decided to share the vehicle. So I just haven't moved my SUV in, I don't know, 10, 11 weeks now and saved a lot of money on gas. Uh, I've kept myself in the house and that means that I'll pretty much work all day long. Uh, made a ton of progress in a lot of different areas, excited about stuff that's going on. Um, but yeah, the car still hasn't moved. So if you're keeping tabs on that, it's probably something like 12 weeks now. I'm not sure. Um, I stopped counting. Everything's running together right now. And the, the other thing is the squirrel problem is gone. If you kept up, you knew I had some squirrels in the roof and uh, they had dug a little hole out and crawled in the little soffit area on the house. And I had to get somebody out here to look at it and had failed miserably with like three different pest control companies and ended up finding someone on next door on the next door app. Typically I would have a lot of jokes and funny things to say about the next door app. But in this case, I got um, a really awesome older gentleman to come over. He quoted me and charged me less than like 50% less, even more. I don't I don't know. I didn't do that math. Normally, like you call a pest control company, they're going to charge you, they're going to quote you 1500 bucks on the phone just because they're going to have to seal the house up so they can quote unquote guarantee nothing gets back in. So uh, they're going to charge you, I got quoted $2,000 on the phone and then this guy showed up and charged me 375. <clears throat> Sorry, that's next door. And so I literally logged on to next door just for that because like I had gotten off of there because it was killing me. But I logged back on just for that. So I say, I'd say the squirrel problem has been uh, eradicated, and uh, the the last straw was when I let my dog out in the backyard, and one of them. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll just say that it didn't go well for the squirrel with my dog, who was excited and wanting to play in the backyard, and the squirrel tried to fight back. Anyway, yeah, my dog killed a squirrel last week, and I got to witness all of it, all of it. I actually had to be the one to pull the dog away. Luckily, there was no blood. Um, I think the squirrel either had a heart attack or uh, my dog just gave it one like good bite and it was just over with. But, you know, uh, went straight to Google after it happened just to make sure that there wasn't anything I need to be concerned about. And pretty much the response that I got from people who are better dog dads than me was it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, you know, if the squirrel, if she's bleeding or whatever, just make sure that the squirrel didn't bite her because there could be you know, diseases or whatever pass through. But other than that, it's, it's a dog and a squirrel is a squirrel and that's how it works sometimes. And, uh, anyway, so yeah, there's some quick, quick updates and a couple just recaps on th some things going on. I don't, I'm gonna cover the last dance later. I didn't really get back into it, but I think I'm just going to come back to it in a later episode. Um, but I guess what I'll do, <laughs> what I plan to cover as the bulk of this, I will cover in the last five minutes. That's okay. I think I can pull that off. 
what I want to what I want to talk about for the next five minutes, and if I go over thirty minutes, it's okay. This is going to be good. This is this is for you because it's been for me, and it's been super helpful for me to continue like telling myself. And I think it's kind of I don't really want to go into like the manifesting, you know, saying it over and over until you manifest it and it happens. But it's just like you can also like tune tune your mind to a wavelength, especially like right now being in quarantine and a lot of us being alone, like, you know, if get, get your confidence up in the middle of all this, keep telling yourself, like what I, what I keep telling myself over and over is you're a professional. You are a professional. You're good at this. You need to keep working at it and getting better. Now is the time right now is the time. And so like, I'm telling myself that constantly, like now is the time you got to get better keep getting better, keep pushing, keep meeting people, keep getting better. Um, and so like that kind of concept is what I want to talk through for the next five or six minutes is now is the time. Like in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of quarantine, like now is the time. And I think even pandemic aside, now is the time. And I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. And then I want to explain like why I think that the, that the pandemic really is an opportunity in this specific area. I'm not trying to shed any positivity on a pandemic whatsoever because it is absolutely you know horrific for the entire world but at a certain point you still have to find a positive in it right you still you know i'm my income has slowed down if not non-existent because of my work not being able to go i planned for that beforehand in case so i'm not super stressing about it but a lot of people are. So that's what I want to talk about right now is now is the time. Why I think now is the time. The first thing, and I was scrolling through Twitter last week when I saw this stat. And so it may not be like exactly, exactly correct. Um, but I think generally this person probably got it right. Um, but e-commerce right now, while everyone's at home, e-commerce right now is up to 30% of total retail sales in the world. Maybe in the United States. I'm not really sure what demographic, but I know he said that it is up to 30% of all sales. Now, that's a lot. That's up from like, I believe, either 12% or 18% normally. And so, obviously, the surge, the massive surge of online purchases, e-commerce is online purchases, the massive surge in online purchases is obviously because people are at home and spending more time at home. They can't go out to stores. They can't go shopping. They're buying online, obviously. But the trends and the predictions basically say that it is not going to fall all the way back to where it was, right? Because e-commerce was expected to trend up in that direction anyway, regardless, pre-pandemic. Will it go back to, will it stay at 30? Absolutely not. It's going to fall back when people can go out and shop at brick and mortar stores and things like that. But for right now, it's up to 30 and they're not expecting it to go all the way back down to where it was. Basically, what the prediction is that I saw that I believe in is that the e-commerce is e-commerce was expected to get to between 20 and 25. Like that's the expectation, you know, as far as the trend goes, from what I understand. This is going to expedite the process of getting there. So if normally that would have taken another decade to get to 25%, this is expediting it because it's giving an opportunity for e-commerce to really like everyone is having to shift there. And so when you've got everyone shifting there, having to be there, and it's a product market fit because of demands there, because now people are also living a more deliver to me lifestyle, and that's a trend. So when those come together, 
it's going to continue growing. And so I say now is the time because I know that I interact, especially on the internet, with a lot of people who, you know, want to sell stuff online or, you know, want to do a clothing brand or, you know, are asking me how to take their business online and how to, you know, and I work with people during the week on how to take their businesses online and stuff like that. And so Shopify, e-commerce, these big WooCommerce, whatever it is, like these are, these are insanely cheap to get involved with. Like right now is the time to start that thing online that you want to. Right, it is. Everyone is online. Literally, everyone is online. We're having to. People are working remotely. We're kind of at the tail end of that. But I see this, like, you're still going to have more people working from home than you ever have in your entire life, which means people using their devices are going to be up. So you have more opportunities to connect with them and get your message in front of them. Everyone is on social media. Shopify is, like, cheap. I think you pay, like, 30 bucks a month and have a storefront and sell stuff through it. 30 bucks a month. Ads are freaking cheap. Any advertisement online is cheaper than ever. Maybe not, okay, it's not cheaper than ever, but advertising in a sense of advertising on social media and online and through email and things like that compared to traditional advertising, yes, it is cheap. Like, you can spend 25 bucks in a week, and if you do it right, you can get five or six leads probably. Gotta do it right. It has never, ever been easier to outsource your weaknesses and or collaborate with like-minded people. So think about businesses in the the 90s. You're pretty much, I mean, that's and that's relatively soon. I say technology was coming out in the 90s um, and you probably had ways to communicate online, but even still in the 90s, for the most part, businesses were bound geographically. Unless you're a big, op- a big operation that's doing phone calls and working with other companies. You know, it, it wasn't easy just to just to hop on the Internet and build a business, especially and even think back before that. Like, how do you find people to work with? They got to kind of be around you. If you can't use the Internet now, we can get on Twitter and I can go and scroll through sports at Sports Creatives Twitter list. And I can connect with 30 people in 10 minutes who are all interested in the same thing I'm interested in and have be having a conversation with four of them within the next hour. Like, that's the difference. And with everybody being online right now, if you have a, a vision or you have an idea and, you know, I'm not saying just go start telling your idea to everybody, but start connecting with people and, and, and get to know people on the Internet that are in different places that have similar interests and start finding people that can support your stuff, that can partner with you, that can help you build things, that can, you know, provide you income. Like, all of those things are right there. You just got to go start talking to people. And I mean, I mean, realistically, when you look at the world of e-commerce at this point, the, it, the, the barrier of entry is low. I mean, you can take 500 bucks. I don't, I don't, I, let me explain why I think the barrier of entry is low. Shopify is 30 bucks a month to have a website that you can sell things from is 30 bucks a month, 360 bucks a year. Less, that's less than 500 bucks. Email marketing you can do for free until you build it up to a certain point by that certain point you're probably going to be able to monetize it make money from it and so you'll be able to pay for that if not it's still cheap social media ads are cheap again 25 bucks a week you know five dollars a day on ads for monday through friday like that can do some damage if you do again if you do it the right way that can put that can put your message in front of the right people um, at a high frequency 
And yeah, it's just a low barrier of entry. You can freaking drop ship like through that Shopify platform. You can go and link up to, you know, Printful or Printify or one of these like print on demand services and you send people to your website. They buy a shirt. This other company puts the logo on it, prints it and ships it and that you just get the difference in between what you charge and what they charge. You don't even have to touch it. You just handle customer service and marketing. It's that easy. And you don't have to pay up front for the shirt. Like when the person buys, they spend 40 bucks on a hoodie. Then Printful or Printify or whoever it is charges you 20, 18 bucks to make it. You make 12 bucks profit and that's just it. It comes to you. It's obviously not just like click, click, click that simple, but I mean, it's pretty close to that. And with things like Canva and even Photoshop being more inexpensive now, like you can get a logo created simple. You can create your own logo simple and free. Or you can connect with, again, it's easier than ever to, to outsource and connect with people that can help you going on a place like Fiverr or Upwork and saying, hey, you know, um, I'm going to search for logo creator and somebody will probably throw you together a logo for five bucks that you can use just to start branding everything. So I don't, I'm typically, you know what? I'm like pro financing. I like, if I have enough capital to purchase something and I'm planning to, but I have the opportunity to pay it out over 12 months, same as cash, no interest. I'm going to choose to do that because I'm a cash flow guy. So I can't give you financial advice. I'm not qualified, but here's what I would do. And here's what I've done. Put 500 bucks. I put 500 bucks on like a, um, like a no interest credit card. When I first really decided I wanted to kind of delve into some of these things, I put 500 bucks on a no interest credit card, um, that I could pay off over like six months, eight months, 12 months. It was some introductory offer. And that's how I like bought my podcast equipment. That's why I bought, that's how I bought some of the softwares and things that I use and the podcast equipment that I have. And uh, so that I could give it a shot. I knew that I could pay it off over time. And I know that's not super easy for everyone to do, but you know, it's an option. It is an option uh, that you could do. If you're looking just, just to get started and get out there and try it. Like I'm saying now is the time to give it, to give it a shot. You know, you can build a brand. Like you don't have to put your name out there. You can build a brand. You can build a little brand that you want. You can go follow a ton of people on social media outlets. Just start following people. People are going to follow you back. Have something in your bio. If you got your website in your bio or, you know, a discount or whatever in your bio for what you do, say what you do, put a discount in there, have a link to it. Like people are going to start looking at your page and they're going to click through. Right. So, but if your, if your profile is set up correctly, you start following a bunch of people. You can go back later, unfollow the people who don't follow you. That's fine. Keep doing it. That's what people miss. You got to keep doing it. Social media is constantly connecting with new people, constantly connecting with new people. It's social networks, networking, constantly meeting new people. So anyway, that's my two cents. I think now is the time. I've got a couple things that I'm doing on the side that I'm not really releasing yet. Um, I mean, quite frankly, if you're listening to this episode before May 27th, I haven't even released really, I haven't even pushed any of these out uh, publicly yet. Like I haven't tweeted a link to my podcast. I haven't sent an email about my podcast. Um, I've just kind of been letting it grow as I, as I connect with people to see what that looks like before I really start pushing it. And I wanted feedback as well. Um, but now's the time. Now's the time to get involved. 
uh, Google and YouTube or can you be your best friends and teach you everything you need to know about building a little quick business? You know, and there's all kinds of free resources and all kinds of cheap tools available to help you. And if you had the, if you have the ability to put 500 bucks towards it, then I would say that you could get a long way with it, especially right now. If your priority is constantly connecting with new people. So that's it. Now is the time. I've gone seven minutes over my 30 minute time limit that I set for myself this morning, but that's okay. I think that was good. I hope that's beneficial. I hope I didn't confuse you. It's really easy to set up and try it. Like it's never been this cheap to try to get a business off the ground. And that's what I'm encouraging. Now is the time. Now is the time to bet on yourself in the middle of all this and go for it. I think. That doesn't mean bail on your job. Just because I did that doesn't mean that I'm advising anybody else to do that. There was a lot of preparation that went into that decision that I'm not recommending you just do it. But now is the time. It's still never been easier to try to pull something off. You can get it up in 24 hours. It's never been that easy. Go, go, go try it. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got for today. If uh, you want to connect with me a little bit further, you can add me on Twitter. Add me on Twitter. I've been using Twitter for like 12 years, and I just said add me on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Eliason, J-A-K-O-B-E-L-I-A-S-O-N. And if you want to use that same name, Jacob Eliason, and go to my website, jacobeliason.com, I write on there. I haven't written much like I haven't podcasted. I haven't written on there in about two weeks since like maybe the very end of April, maybe three weeks, man. Maybe the very end of April, early May. I think it was early May was the last time I wrote. Anyway, it's been a little bit, but I'm going to start writing on there at least once a week. And it'll be stuff, stuff similar to this, but more in written form. So like, I just kind of rambled through why online commerce is a good idea right now. and uh, But I try to provide more like formal stuff. Like there'll be like a list of tips, <laughs> right? Or here's how you do it. Uh, so if you want to check that out, you can subscribe. And then from there, you can get like notified when by email when... I post something new and uh, I've actually recorded this episode on video. So I'm sitting here looking at my computer screen. I'm recording myself. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do the YouTube thing yet. I don't know if this video will ever see the light of day, but if you're listening, you get the, the backstage pass to know that there is a video documentary of this episode somewhere. So if you're listening and you would like to see the recording, hit me up, shoot me a DM on Twitter. That'd be the best place because I'm always there. Subscribe to my newsletter. It's not really a newsletter. It's just an update on when I blog so far. And uh, last thing before I go, I got to give a shout out right here. 9450 Basketball Club um, out of Orlando, Florida. I, connect, I connected with this dude on Twitter. And uh, I connected with this dude and the, his brand. And uh, he had some stickers. He, he, he just posted one day and was like, I got some stickers that uh, I'm trying to give away for my brand. And I'm a sticker guy. I love stickers. Um, at one point, I did a giveaway for NBA, like a package of NBA stickers, which was pretty cool. Um, but I hit him up and he sent me some. So I got a ton of these stickers. I'm going to put them on everything. I'm going to get them around Memphis. Um, you can hit them up on Instagram at 9450gram. He, right now, they're selling t-shirts. And uh, they're like really cool basketball-themed t-shirts. One says, I miss... I miss basketball and the other says better days are ahead and both of them are like people playing basketball but it's in the shape of the letters so it's pretty cool and uh, they're like $24.99 I believe and all the proceeds right now are going to COVID relief so if you want to hit them up uh, go to Instagram and find them at 9450 gram and 
you can go to his website straight from there. Probably the best way to get in touch with him. But yeah, I bought one. It's on its way. You should buy one too. I'm not getting compensated for this. I just appreciate him sending me like 55 stickers and uh, figured I'd use my platform to promote what he's got going on because it's a good thing. And I love good things and I love sports and I love business. And that's where we're going to end this one today. We'll see you guys next time. I'm out.